0: Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. Please take a second to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is the concluding portion of the DGA Special Projects Committee's recent event, The Craft the Director, Ron Howard. The event was the fifth in this series of conversations with master filmmakers that feature an in-depth discussion about the directing process from pre-production through post. If you haven't listened to the first portion of this event, please check your podcast feed for the previous episode. Now please enjoy part two of Mr. Howard's discussion with fellow director Jeremy Kagan in front of a virtual audience. In this episode, they discuss how blocking can improve a scene that lacks vigor technical and craft-oriented concerns of A Beautiful Mind and Apollo 13, and why Mr. Howard hates shooting endings.
1: In dealing with um, a a staging situation um, where you're in rehearsal, this is before, because there are two times of rehearsal. There's the rehearsal, if you're lucky enough to have that before you're actually shooting the picture, and there's the rehearsal the first thing in the morning of what you're doing with them. and I, I I know you have the uh, the blocking that I often see in the lots of your movies is very very fluid. Um, I was just looking at a scene from the the paper where everybody comes <laughs> into uh, Michael Keaton's office, and it's a it just it's a, it's it's a delicious scene mm-hmm. with yeah. lots of people. Yes. And the question that I'm asking is, when you're first rehearsing, if that got to be rehearsed before you were on set. What's your process of, okay, I'm going to deal with movement. Do you rehearse essentially um, in a process of let's work at a table and and discuss, yeah. or are you letting them get up? What are you doing? I start with the table
2: and kind of uh, trying to problem solve, anticipate, um, you know, uh, 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 issues, uh, you know, raise smart questions. I usually say I'd like to get all the questions out of the way here. So that you know we're not dealing with anything difficult uh, on, on the day. Uh, if you have a question, we'll we'll face it, of course. But I I I really want you to plug into the material now and help us. I try to have the writer there if, if at all possible, and it's not just a read-through. It's you know it's 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 a number of times and we revisit. And then if I if the blocking is going to be you know like a like an aspect of the scene. And there are a lot of people. I definitely will get them up on their feet and start working it. I love blocking. I love it. I, I mean, as an actor, I always found it important. Uh, and it, 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 you know, staging can help make a line work, can help make a moment work. Uh, I, I begin to understand a little bit more about cutting patterns and uh, shot making. You know, kind of around the movement. Um, and I try to build that more around the actors than the camera. Although if I know that there's a certain thing I'm going to want to be doing on some kind of circular Steadicam or something where I'm going to, I know I'm going to need them to do something that's a little artificial. I can start to work that in so that I can see whether that's going to be, um, you know, an impediment to their performance or something that they can really work with. Um, and they can start to anticipate that. So they're not surprised on the day that there's a this sort of mechanical piece of of of, uh, of staging in the middle of the otherwise fluid scene. And uh, so, you know, again, it's sort of di- different days and different scenes uh, are, just demand something else. There are movies where I haven't blocked anything because it was not necessary. It was all emotional. It was all psychological. And the blocking was, you know, walk up and sit down at the table. It was, it, and you might as well just do that on the set because, you know, you're there you know what your light is, you you know, you know, you know what you're going to want to stage for,
1: and it's, there's nothing complicated about it. If you have, like in that particular scene that I was mentioning, a a lot of people that are coming in and out of something, you may have in your preconception and pre-design, an idea of how this scene would be staged. Now here are the actors. And each, as you said, each actor is motivated in different ways. Some actors will look for the first chair that they can sit in Uh, and others will, you know, will be in and out of a room. And the question is, how do you design? Well, you know,
2: (laughs) if a thing like that scene, a complicated staging scene like that has usually begun on my shot list, like drafts before to the point where by the time we're shooting, I've carried over the notes and it, and it'll be, you know, I think it'd be great if the actor led us from here to there From one character over to the other and back, wouldn't that be interesting? And then I just test it, uh, you know, during the rehearsal to see if if that works. Um, And uh, and then some if it's complicated like that, then I usually video the rehearsal so we can really remember later what we did, um, and uh, and and keep track of it. But but then it's you know it's pretty carefully uh, shot listed. And you know the thing about the actor who wants to sit, or even the actor who doesn't want to do the close up, back to Wilford when they know that you are willing to say yes you are willing to listen it's much much easier to say no not this time no, I, I this moment I just got to have and it there's a little give and take going on there and so it doesn't then you know they don't they don't become sort of recal- recalcitrant because out of some principle uh, you know uh, I, want and, go back,
1: I want to go back to two, two ideas uh, one because you just mentioned it and it also relates again to your team and the the uh, your assistant directors is actual scheduling, Mm -hmm. which is so crucial. Um, And sometimes you get caught with the last scene, suddenly you're shot in the beginning or whatever. Mm -hmm. Are there things that you have learned that when you're sitting down and doing the board, um, these are things that I want you to know about as we're doing that board? Yeah, it's, it's, it's,
2: you know, as, 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 frustrating as it can be to try to project ahead and imagine how long something is going to take, for example, uh, or to begin to estimate that, or can this three and a half pages actually be achieved? Um the uh you know it is I think it's really important to to uh to do that because you begin to understand what the parameters of the day are but 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 it's also you so does the assistant director. Uh, and and the, the cinematographer, and um, and you can begin to sort that out ahead of time. And uh, it also can influence in in ways that sometimes can be really additive. Like you know, it's that idea of give yourself a problem, and sometimes the solution is much more inspired than you know than 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 what you would have done with uh, you know all resources at your disposal. Yep. Um, it pushes you into. Making something more fluid and not as much coverage perhaps or, or, you know, it, it so it's, uh, with live action, uh, uh, directing, I, I always feel like that the logistics and the weather are, um, you know, they're these, 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 these X factors and, uh, sometimes they cause you, you know, they compromises that you're, you're going to forever suffer with, but, but often there, there are gifts there
1: too um, and uh, um, and I do you, re, do you remember a gift because oftentimes I love the idea that sometimes what we, uh, we what was unexpected what was in fact quote accidental not in terms of safety but accidental yeah. ends up being something that is a gift
2: you yeah we often it often it has to do with time pressure and a half and and it has to do with uh, um, you know the light I found and my staging um, and which you know uh, Sometimes, you know, it's, it's a little familiar, a little traditional. And once in a while, the light will push you into a situation where you can take advantage of something amazing if you just do it in another way that you hadn't really, you know, contemplated. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, and so, uh, yeah, we're not getting the sunset, but we're getting fog. But where does the fog look great? Oh, not over by this tree. It looks good over by that rock. Oh well, why are they on a rock? Let's figure it out real quickly. Oh, they're on top of the rock. They're sitting on the rock. Oh, okay. Let's roll. Uh climb up on the rock. And suddenly it's a lot more interesting than some traditional sort of sitting under the tree scene, for example. Yeah, we, we've, I've never done that scene by the way. Like, ready to but go. now I have an idea. I'd like <laughs> to find a good rock or, <laughs> or, a, good, in, or a good
1: fog. Stage a scene there. Uh, uh, Now you have choices. It's going to be seen outside the window because that's the only place that it's going to be able to. (laughs) um, In in terms of emotional scenes or endings. In terms of board and schedule. Are you thinking that through? Where do you want it to happen if you can?
2: Well, well, you know, every great AD is trying to help you figure out what to start with and what to finish with and make it fit within the. The you know, the parameters of your budget and time. Um, and, uh, so, uh, um, n- none of the ads I work, you know, be thoughtless about that. Um, and when there's going to be a compromise, it usually comes up early. Uh, I, I hate shooting endings. It's just, that's, that's when I toss and turn in the night. I feel anxiety all day long. Endings are so important to films. Uh, and, uh, and, and so, I'm always always anxious uh, on that day, and always kind of happy to put it off as long as possible. But I actually would never want to shoot the ending on the last day, because I feel like you're always fighting the schedule on the last day. Uh, and uh, but you know, I'd rather be doing something that we can be loose and casual about in those last couple of days of shooting. Sometimes that works out. Sometimes it um, sometimes it doesn't. What to begin with is is another thing. As an actor, I always liked it when you, you know, you, you'd begin with, I don't know, some, some sort of, you know, establishing shots or like a day of establishing shots where you're just walking in and out of buildings or, or, you know, you get to wear the wardrobe and you get to move around in it and it, it counts. So you have to pay attention, but you know, you're not, you're not doing any, you know, any, any, any real heavy lifting yet. Um, and, uh, um, but you know, that's, that's always a tricky thing. I've never felt that tremendous. I've never felt that thing that, you know, you just have to throw out everything you shoot on day one. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's never good. And I always, you know, I'm fortunate to usually have a good rehearsal period and I will particularly drill down on day one in rehearsal. Um, and, uh, so often if you, if you've been able to do enough, it it sort of feels like. Oh, now we just brought some cameras in. Because maybe you've already rehearsed it. Maybe you even rehearsed it in the wardrobe. Maybe the day of the makeup and hair test, you run that scene. You know, there are ways to sort of take the the curse off of that really being day one.
1: And knowing that the actor may have a real serious emotional scene, it's coming up. Yeah, Some actors look forward to that. Some actors do not. And you as an actor obviously know that anxiety that comes. Where are you in, again, this is sort of the scheduling issue. Where are you in that?
2: Well, B- Bill Connor, who's, who's, uh, you know, I should say, you start off with ADs. I just, I did a quick count here. Uh, uh, Jan Lloyd, I did two TV movies, Night Shift, Splash, Cocoon and gung Six six projects with Jan Lloyd. I did nine films with Aldrich Porter as the first, and I've done nine films with Bill Connor as the first. Uh, but he also started working for Aldrich Porter as a PA and working his way up to being Aldrich second. So right. I don't quite know how many, how many projects I've directed that Bill's been on, but a lot. Right. Um, um, uh, but, um, all, all that, all that
1: said, wait, what was your question? May the go- emotional scene when, when an actor is oh. a real tough one and where are you going to put it? And yeah. how are you dealing? And also how are you dealing with the fact that that actor may be. I'm really worried about this scene. Yeah.
2: Well, on on those days, and we just finished Hillbilly Elegy*, where every day—well, no, three days a week—I was kind of reminding the crew in Atlanta, who were great, by the way. But Bill Connor does a thing in the morning. It it's 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 he even was doing this before we had you know safety meetings, but it now combines with the safety meeting. But it's just a quick rundown of everything we're doing today and everything we're doing tomorrow, and it takes you know five or ten minutes. Uh, But if anybody has a question, they know to be you know to to be anticipating um, uh, uh, the scenes, and 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 maybe they've looked at the schedule, maybe they haven't. But by getting it out in the open and talking about it, it gives me a chance to throw in a few words about it. But it also you know I I repeatedly remind the crew. And they know I know th- that <clears throat> certain scenes are really performance driven. And these are not the scenes where somebody can be blurting out a joke. These are not the scenes where we're going to, sh- we're going to rush through it. Um, and we're not going to save it to the end of the day and we're not going to be loud and that kind of, and so, you know, th- th- the, the crew themselves knows how to help me, um, uh, you know, create that, that, that environment, and so like when Bill has his meetings, that's my opportunity to say, you know, this is the, um, you know, uh, Amy Adams has some some two killer scenes today. Let's look after Amy, and let's and let's, let's 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 keep it quiet and keep the environment, you know, so that so that we make this as easy for her as possible. And what? But, more, but using somebody like Amy Adams or Kate Blanchett or Tom Hanks or Russell Crowe or you know, uh, and Glenn Close. Uh, who I've now worked with twice. Um, I kind of look forward to those scenes because those people u- usually blow my mind. They, you know, and I, I kind of know they're going to, and that's and that's part of it. Is how are they going to blow my mind? And um, and you know, and 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 they might they might have some emotional difficulty. They might balk a little bit, but you know, I I I really don't remember very many moments. That were key for for an actor, whether they were a big comedy scene performance moment or 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 drama, where I didn't go away feeling like they they killed it, and that's I guess that's partly what I pride myself on is creating that environment where they um you know they can really excel, they can deliver in the way that they would hope they could.
1: And in setting up, it's interesting. I'm thinking of some comedy moments rather than let's say the emotional dramatic moments where you want to get you know, that, those moments of humor, you know, you've got some, I'm thinking in a number of moments in Splash, you know, you've got some really, really gifted human beings. Yeah. 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 Do you step back? um, Yes. uh,
2: I I step back. Well, I I generally don't give a lot of direction for the first couple of takes anyway. Um, You know, I kind of see what they're up to. Um, I mean, we've talked about the scene during rehearsal probably and, and uh, you know, and so forth, but I try to stay out of their way um in the beginning and then make make adjustments more more than sort of because you know it's better when they don't have to think about a direction it's better when they own it but i feel that translates to 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 all the key departments i i really feel that there's a great moment in prep where you can sort of start to feel it when everybody's we've talked about it we've looked at locations we've kicked ideas around we've seen all the research stuff we've talked we've debated we've um, you know, we've arrived at some decisions. Um, they know what I'm looking for, and I've been informed by what their creativity suggests it could be and either and embrace it or, or, or explain why I think, you know, we, and reinforce my own point of view by being able to talk about what it is I think we're going for and get them excited about it. And th- suddenly everybody's pulling in the same direction, and sort of the batting average of everyone's suggestions really goes up at that point. Uh, cause, cause everybody's seeing the same movie and, you know, and, and, and pulling in the same direction. So that's exciting for me. Um, with, you know, with certain actors of uh, Michael Keaton, uh, John Candy, I, I did it with Wilford Brimley with drama, uh, uh, you know, um, Russell Crowe at times in certain kinds of scenes. Um, uh, you know, uh, Jim Carrey, um, just, uh, you know, unbelievable physical comedian incredible um you know that's more about again creating that environment and then and then letting them letting them riff letting them do what they do and often you know you in that kind of situation you have a b camera just dedicated to following them wherever they go because you don't you don't want them to have a hard mark you don't want to be worried about that
1: got it when you're talking about character particularly in that rehearsal time what's the discussion Um, you, you mentioned already sort of, I'll call it prior circumstances of who somebody is. I'm not talking about the, the actor human being. I'm talking about the character that that actor is going to portray. But in rehearsal, what, what's, you know, like in Cinderella Man, where, you know, characters are going to not only, actors not only going to have to change their technical Capacity, style of voice, sound of voice, but also to you know create characters that may not be quite as similar to, and also in Beautiful Mind, not as similar to who they actually quote right. are. So therefore, there's a discussion or there's a development of who this character is, and I'm wondering what's the, again the language, what's the process that you go with them as they go through the process of discovering who this person is. Well, with with you know actors. In,
2: you know, lead roles or key supporting roles, that conversation usually begins during the casting process. Uh, and, um, you know, where, where, especially, you know, they're at a moment where they're trying to decide whether they, A, want to do it or, they're, or they're selling themselves to, to me and the producers. You, you know, it's, 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 it's uh, under that pressure. It's good to know what they think of the character. And, and, and how they do see themselves, um, you know, sort of as that character. And you can begin to imagine that. So part of the casting process is often saying, I like their take. You know, I may like that they're a movie star. I might like, I've, I've always loved their work, but it's also, I think, I think they have an interesting handle on this. Or I think they're seeing it wrong. Let's have a conversation to see if they, if, if, if they agree.
1: That's the conversation the I'm wondering about. Well, that's, yeah, well, that's,
2: that's, that's saying, you know, I know you said X, Y, and Z, but, you know, based on the script and what I'm sensing, and also maybe some research I've done or something, you know, um, I feel like the character is more, um, um, you know, in this other um, emotional space, or has this other pervasive attitude about the world or the idea that's that I think is different than what you're talking about, and then get that conversation going. And then often they'll say, yeah, I get it. I see what you're talking about. And uh, again, if you know, if it's a kind of an Amy Adams or, uh, or um, you know, uh, one of these sort of chameleon type actors, you know, they can get there. All they when need, you, to, do, all they need when, to do is hear it.
1: When you say emotional space, which is, uh, 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 I love both of those phrases, one attitude about the world, because I, I, I can understand that. Um, and, but in emotional space, I, I understand too. But um, um, if I'm, we can be specific. The emotional space that you knew that this character in Beautiful Mind was going to be in. Now, maybe Russell came in and right said to you, I know what it's like to live in an imaginary world and be mm-hmm. frightened and antisocial and oh, good. Oh, you're getting these things. Or maybe not. I'm wondering if you could have, if we were there, the mm-hmm. dialogues that would have gone between the two of you in helping that character come alive. Well, Boy, that was a, that was a great creative opportunity
2: for me, um, because Russell was so gifted and he was still emerging. And in some ways, because he was just coming off Gladiator. In fact, the first day of shooting was the the day after the Oscars, and he still had it in his gym bag, uh, and he'd flown all night to get there. And and uh, uh, but. Um, um, we had to shoot because it was Princeton and we, that we had, we needed every day. So, you know, we had to make him fly and shoot. Um, but, um, um, I was in a way the first, certainly the first Hollywood director who sort of had the pleasure of saying, um, you know, I, I think you're great. And I really want to know what your opinion is about this. And I want to work with you. Um, but also during the process, shape it, um, debate it, and develop that kind of, of that kind of uh, collaboration. But some of it was also research and discovery. Um, also, Akiva Goldsman, who was the screenwriter, was there. His parents were shrinks. Akiva had an intimate sense of all of this. So some of it was just engaging Akiva and kind of understanding what this guy was going through in his mind as the writer. So we had these great. Sort of three-way um, conversations uh, about it, but well, we had a big breakthrough based on some research, where we began to understand the the affects of of uh, the common affects of schizophrenia. Some of them are sort of twitches, itches, uh, you know, and 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 some of them are also then the intensity of hallucinations and things like that. So we, we kind of understood that. And then I was able to engage Russell and I wanted to shoot that movie in, um, along with Roger Deakins, I'd worked out this approach, which was sort of three different looks. It's like the three different periods in his life. And the first one, nobody knows he's, he's mad. Um, And he certainly doesn't, he just knows he's, he's in angst. We just think he's an eccentric kind of irascible genius. But what, what Russell and I, and we shot it kind of like life magazine life in the fifties and the, the academic elite and so forth. And, and, uh, during that period there was this angst because he felt a lot of pressure and ambition, the character, Russell certainly related to that. Um, he, I also had taken Russell to, um, to watch, um, a two PhD candidates working with their prof, uh, their advisor. Um, these are, these are theoretical, um, um, mathematicians and they were talking through it and we're watching and and so forth. And it was early in the process. And, uh, Russell kind of kept looking over at me looking back and watching these guys talk and write and, 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 uh, and, and on the chalkboard and race things and come back and get excited. And, and he, we took a break. We're outside and Russell's smoking a cigarette and, and he kind of, we, we don't know each other that well yet. And he kind of looks at me and he says, these guys are making me feel like fucking morons. Do you understand what they're saying? Cause I don't. And I said, I don't have a clue, but do you notice how he's holding the chalk? <laughs> and we got into a discussion where we said, I said, well, this is their language. And it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, to, to, um, to us, it means nothing, but to them, it's like, it's like it's like music and Russell can read music. I can't, I said, but you know, that's a language to you that I don't understand. And so that's all that is. And so this is creativity and you're a songwriter and a musician and an actor. And, we, you know, we understand art, we understand creativity and then, and the, that drive to, um, you know, to, to achieve something. So that whole first act was, was about that, but we got to start to play the game of hinting at the affects. So what Russell and I both landed on this one day, that he, he'd make them into cute little eccentricities. But later in the movie, we'd see the same affects the way you would if you were watching a documentary about people uh, who are institutionalized, who were who were deeply troubled. And um, that opened up a sort of a, a particular door, I think, for for, for Russell, and then the then we began to just deal with his mindset you know in the beginning it's sort of all anxiety then it's the uh, then it's we, we sort of shot the middle part as kind of noir Ed Harris and the CIA and he feels you know and that's that's all about sort of self-engrandizement and feeling like you're a part of a great adventure And then the third part was this draw awful truth of reality the harsh cold light of, of, of reality which is you know what you ought to aspire to. But it's really difficult uh, if if you're, you know, you've had this other, which is something that John Nash himself talked about. So conversations with John Nash, this research, all of it sort of informed Russell. It's a very long answer. Sorry. But it, it led to a language that we understood and a kind of a um, gradation. And then I started sort of over directing him. And he said, hey, Ron, just let me let me make this be like jazz. I'll start small and I'll build up and I know you'll find it in the editing room. You'll 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 piece it together. And he trusted that. And I trusted him. And, uh, you know, he did some really mind blowing things in, in, that, in that.
1: What movie. I what I appreciate a lot here is both the research and the collaboration and the understanding that it is an evolutionary process mm-hmm. that you don't have it all figured out before you walk right. on.
2: Just okay. because you like just because you like the script doesn't mean you understand everything about it yet.
1: Now, I want to talk about, uh, there's so many things I want to talk about, but um, I, I want to talk about directing kids, but I want to talk about camera first here for a second. Okay. Um, challenges that you've had, well, first of all, you had many, many different styles of use of the camera. I mean, mm-hmm. literally, as you just said, even within this particular mo- movie, there were three different lighting styles, as well as three different uses of the camera. Mm-hmm. When you first are giving yourself notes, Mm. on whatever project it is. And now I'm talking about the visual notes as distinguished from the notes about character. Um, what are you saying to yourself? What notes are you giving yourself that will then inform? And what are the challenges that you could sort of share with us uh, oh. in that particular issue, which is meaning how you're staging it for a camera, what your visual sensibilities go through? Well, uh,
2: I'm, uh, uh, you know, in the beginning, almost everything just was sort of from the perspective of characters and having been and, 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 and acting, you know, so most movement, mo- you know, most of these things were to make scenes work for the actors in my mind. And I would sort of play them in a way and I, and understand that. And, and, uh, and to this day, I'm facile with stage, staging, staging, because I can sort of fall into and anticipate what's going to work for, for an actor in a moment, particularly young, younger actors, especially. Um, but, um, But as I've, as I've, you know, developed and continue to develop, I, you know, the visual language is something that I've spent quite a bit of time, um, you know, trying to get better at, trying to use in more interesting, uh, ways. And, uh, um, and it sort of reflects itself in the notation that I'll put in the, in the, in the script. But I, I begin to feel at a certain point, once we know we're, we're, the scenes are more or less working, I sort of stop thinking about the characters and the beats and the logic of the narrative, and I do start to sort of see it a little bit and feel it and think that certain things should be, you know, presented against a certain kind of landscape, or maybe the character should be small so that suggests it's a wide shot, or this is a this is a place where you'd want to see these two characters interacting and you wouldn't want to be interrupted with cutting, so that means. Uh, hold that two shot, and or are they moving? Things like that. But on one of your panels years ago, it, uh, I was I was on the same panel with uh, with um, uh, Ridley Scott. I've always admired, and 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 after, you know, after we we'd broken up, we went back into the room there, and we were having a coffee or whatever. I said to Ridley, you know, you're just so visual. I know you were a production designer. I really admire it. Um, you know, and, and, and you always seem to come up with something kind of fresh and exciting, uh, and, and and approach to, to something. This might've been right after gladiator or something. And, uh, um, and, and they're sitting in that room. He said, he said, man, it's, he said, it's pretty easy. He said, sit with your DP and watch movies and borrow ideas. He said, you're not ripping anybody off because your scene is not that scene, but there's something about that that applies well apply it it's all language it's all you know it's it, it and um and he said when i learned to do that i i i learned to make scenes more distinctive and not just kind of because it came out of my head well, let's, um,
1: talk, let's talk about that idea with, with you've been very facile with chase scenes and car scenes You've made a car movie like Rush, but, the, you know, you started with a sort of a car movie, if, if you would say. <laughs> yes. And there's still, I mean, the fact that you had that smart car in Da Vinci is still one of my favorite moments as the car <laughs> was riding through those trucks. Staging those scenes, figuring those out. Let's even, let's take the smart car scene for a second uh, yeah. in, in that chase. There's some very specific tricks. She's driving backwards. Can you... Talk about how you're talking to your special effects people, to your stunt people, the yeah. rest, and and visually to your camera people, so that you're going to get, as you've just said, you know, it's going to reference other movies, but it's going to be its own. Well, that
2: was um, uh, really a long, difficult process because it was it was really before you could CGI a car. You know, you couldn't. You you we had to physically do all this stuff, and and so we couldn't shortcut um by by uh you know by just creating a cgi car for a moment to do something extraordinary um todd hollowell was the second unit director on that as well as being the executive producer he was actively involved in laying that out we we worked with uh, um um a, a, a car stunt group um in france were particularly gifted at this and we also knew which locations we wanted to work with so I think it was a little bit like uh, Harold Lloyd or Buster Keaton kind of, you know, walking onto a street and saying, well, we could, Oh, well, look at this, I could climb up the side of this ladder. Uh, and we started using the geography of the street that, that we were allowed to work on. Um, and, uh, um, and we just kept pitching um, bits and ideas and then reverse engineering that mechanically so that we could actually, um, you know, execute that scene. Todd shot most of it. I came in and did coverage, but it was all carefully, you know, carefully planned. Roger Corman gave me the best advice on Grand Theft Auto. And I was concerned. He insists, I uh, always insisted that young directors, and that was my first film, um, you know, uh, diagram the blocking and in, in advance. He wants to see your diagrams. If you can storyboard, storyboard. But if you couldn't, which I can't do, you know, then you do just diagrams and uh and are i was talking struggling. about are you talking about overhead yeah overhead diagrams you know character moves from here to here here's the desk there's the door here's this would be one shot that's an over the shoulder this is a master and how many you know roughly how many setups it's going to be and that sort of thing and um and i was struggling with the cars um and uh Alan Arkish was going to be the second unit director and was the second unit director. And in fact, uh, uh, Joe Dante was the editor on that movie. So there are a lot of talented people.
1: Uh, are, by are by right. the way, some of these questions I'm asking are coming from some of those talented people. Oh, is that right? Alan okay. So I want to credit that these are not just all mine. There's been members who have yeah. said, can you ask him this? <laughs> Go.
2: Well, um, I talked to Roger about it at one point and I said, you know, the, the, the acting scenes, I really understand and I feel okay. And, uh, and he was looking at my diagrams, and I said, I do, you know, I, I'm i talking to Alan quite a bit, but I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with the car the car scene, and he said, they're all scenes, Ron, and they're all characters, so, you know, think of a car scene the way you'd think of it as a, as a like a, a fight scene between two people, or, you know, a car chase is no different than a foot chase. They're in relationship to one another, and they're characters, and I think if you just you know, block it and shoot it that way, you know, that's going to be fine. And then, you know, you could do some pickups to to give the feeling of speed, a low angle and the car drives by fast just to give it energy or the speedometer, but basically, you know, they're characters. And so many times back on, you know, on rush 30 years later, I couldn't help but think of, of what Roger taught me in that one sentence. Um, and, and one explanation that I was still applying and, and making use of.
1: I got it. Um, I asked you sort of to take on some challenges. and, and I, um, both logistic, character and uh, actor, also staging and camera. Um, uh, I'm wondering if there are any others that you, um, reminded yourself of that we can share in these uh, last uh, minutes. Well, I,
2: I um, um, you know, I may have, uh, the weightlessness in Apollo 13 was, a uh, you know, a real thrill, but it was a, and, and it was a very effective, but it was a real culmination of understanding that you could, you could plan things carefully enough. Cause we had, we'd have the, about 40 or 50 parabolas in this KC 135, this weightless, this, this, you know, uh, that does parabolas, this, this, this Air Force plane. Um, that creates weightlessness. They're really just, they're really just diving down and, and the human beings inside are free falling, wow. but because there's no wind or anything, it feels, it pro- approximates weightlessness and, and, and liquid and things like that, be, you know, behave the way they do in, in, in space. Uh, so it's, it, it's great for all of that. And we decided if we locked down our set and shot, we could create weightlessness. So we had, and we had each, each parabola was about 23 seconds. Um, of weightlessness, we decided, we learned, you could sh- get yourself organized and you could shoot about 17 seconds of that. So we started breaking that down and storyboarding, of course, but also, um, you know, rehearsing with the actors in Gravity, which was a little tricky. We, and the other thing is we were only able to bring a crew of 11 up. So um, um, people, the actors sort of had to look after their own props and pay attention to things. And, you know, it was a tiny, tiny group. Um, and, uh, but because when I'd done splash and then cocoon underwater, I had found that you, you, of course it was very difficult to communicate. We, there were no comm systems then that would work underwater. We had a tank that you could sort of swim over to and, and take your regulator and blow the water out of this inverted tank. So you could get in underneath and have a conversation, which was unbelievably time consuming, I tried not to do too much of that. And I learned that if you rehearsed up top, even Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah, who didn't even have masks under there, could be led through the shots. And you could say to them, this is shot number one. This is shot number three. And they were smart enough and we rehearsed enough for them to recognize what it was they needed to do. And I could lead them through it. And anyway, we worked it out. Magic hour shots. I did a whole sequence in Far and Away with Aldrich Porter as the AD where every day we would run to this particular location. It was for the finale of this, of the land race. And we would, you know, we, we literally have about, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes of, 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 great light. Some days you, you, you know, you, you wouldn't get the light and you just would die. So we'd go shoot, you know, three quarters of a day and then run over and then spend about 45 minutes or an hour blocking out the shots, setting up the camera, and then basically doing these two minute drills. So I did this for various, re, you know, shows, and when it came time to do Apollo, I realized that we could do that. So we didn't have that many days where we were allowed to be weightless, but I wound up getting to shoot the master, and or a two-camera master for every weightless scene, every scene, and um, and it was great because I, uh, you know, and the actors committed to it, but we did it like this kind of rolling two-minute drill, um, and, uh, and it was. Uh, and that was quite a, that was a huge challenge, but, a, a, you know, a great achievement.
1: Water achievement, without a question. So you would actually rehearse not in the weightlessness to then do the weightlessness. Yeah, yeah. and then we had, so we had a little mock-up set Got over here on the side. On, on the you slide. know, you, uh, I feel like this is a sort of, a, 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 I'm about to be sort of like a, a metaphysical. Water and fire. I mean, you have <laughs> uh, dealt with both of them <laughs> <laughs> repeatedly. Yeah. If, if, if you were now to say to somebody, okay, uh, you're going to be shooting uh, uh, a period piece on water, like uh, in, in the heart of the sea, or, or backfire in fire, what have right. you learned about both of these energies to be yeah. able to make them work? You, you explained, obviously, what you oh. did in Splash, but I'm curious. It's, it's much, much
2: easier because, because of digital, because of CGI and it and on, on heart of the sea it wasn't I mean, we did shoot quite a bit in tanks but we also shot a lot out on the open ocean not far away from shore but here's the beauty of it <clears throat> when i was doing Splasher or, or cocoon and you were on the water and you're trying to get the relationship between two boats or you're trying to get an acting moment in the right light and with the right weather something would always screw it up a boat would appear in the background you know, a jet would fly around with a contrail, um, you know, or something would screw it up. And just the, the, it's not the big stuff. It's the fact that just because you, the, in chasing the light, you came around and you catch a little bit of land now in the horizon that, that doesn't destroy your scene now. So it, you, you can fix that and it's, 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 you know, minimal cost and no, no, no compromise to right. the end. And so, to me both fire which has gotten a lot safer finally it works you still have to work with some fire you know it's not 100 percent convincing um but it uh you know i would never work with the volume of fire that i did on backdraft again um and uh and and working on the water you know it's still slow but it's not remotely as problematic um as it used to be and when you do go to a tank you, you have a pretty good chance of it, of it being convincing now, whereas
1: before it was such a compromise. I want to ask a, a question about kids and working with kids. Um, you grew up this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, there was that one moment in parent, parenthood, which I, I think the kids in parenthood are pretty amazing. And there have been other kids that you've worked with in lots of the, your movies, but that particular moment still sticks out for me, um, mm-hmm. where the kid sort of has this fit. Um, how do you deal with kids or do you deal with them any differently than you deal with any other actor? Where are you in that? Not that differently, not that differently.
2: I mean, my dad was sort of gifted at, 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 um, at teaching, uh, you know, young people to act. My brother and I were the only recipients of that gift, but, uh, but you know, it's clear to me the he had, and one of the things was that he really trusted, you know, us as, to understand, to understand what the scene was. Now, unless they're like three, you know, and, and in that case, you're, you know, you're, you're basically, you're just, you're casting a a personality and, and a look and, you know, and you're trying to capture their natural, you know, reactions to things and editorially trick it around. I mean, one one simple idea is, is when your kids are, are unpredictable and are going to, um, and um, uh, they stage the scene over their shoulder more or less. So let the adults, you know, make the scene work and then put yourself in a situation so that you're, you can, you you know, you can take all the time you need to do those reverses and make that blend seamlessly, um, you know, into the scene, but the adults are not dependent on the child's timing or response. And that liberates the um, you to work with that child um, and to, to, to get those moments, whether that comes by giving line readings or whether it comes by not saying a damn thing and letting them go because they somehow it, get it. Uh, you just have to observe where they are and, uh, don't presume to know how you're going to get them all. Uh, you just, they're, they're, they're there because you think they're right for it. Do you, you remember
1: that it, moment with the, in parenthood with that, that? Moment?
2: Yeah. But, and he was, um, and he, a very shy kid. And um, and and it did take a few takes uh, to get there, but he had this wonderful vulnerability to begin with. So the reality is, he didn't have to go that far to get us to understand it, believe it, and feel it. It was also, you know, beautifully written. So the things he had to say were in and of themselves pretty heartbreaking.
1: The the issue of when you get anxious or when you have doubts. How do you handle it?
2: Sometimes the assistant director says it's going to be all right. (laughs) Uh, That's why it's good to work with a trusted assistant director, because they actually uh, they have the agency to take you aside and say, you're making everybody a little nervous with your pacing now, Ron. Uh, uh, You know, we're going to get it or we're not going to get it. But, uh, you know, uh, you're actually not helping now, Uh, which no one's ever said it quite that directly or harshly. But I get it. And I appreciate it when they do talk me off the ledge. Um I do I feel highly adrenalized all day. I don't think I show it, but from the time I get out of the car and I'm there, it's um it's a it's a it's I'm pacing, I'm moving. I I still work that way and I'm um and it's uh um so I I am always thinking ahead. I am thinking about the time not because I'm trying to be necessarily that um, cost efficient. I, you know, I mean, I care about the budget. I'm responsible, but I, I, what I really care about is the space to make the scenes work, the space in the day to be able to change your mind, to come up with a new idea, to respond to somebody's, um, you know, great suggestion. And, and so what I never want to do is sort of shift back and kind of the easy stuff that we could have moved through. Um, I, I, uh, I don't, I don't like to take the foot off the gas there. I like to use that as an opportunity to create some space in case later on in the day we need it.
1: Got it. This is my last question because of the timing that we got. It's sort of a fascinating one in a way because it's, it has to do with editing and it has to do with imagery, but the opening sequence in Inferno, there are people wearing masks on the street, right? This is about a virus. <laughs> yeah. My interest is that the images that you were imagining, and some right. of them obviously were references to the paintings of the time, yeah. uh, are incredibly powerful, including regular masks or masks of the people's faces on the back of their heads. Yeah, yeah. and I'm interested in the, because you're also a documentarian, mm-hmm. the relationship between the imagination. And what really is happening and how you're responding to just that combination of imagination and reality right now.
2: Well, I ought to go back and take a look at that sequence. Yeah, you're so right. Of course, we were, those were plague masks, uh, you know, in their most extreme. And, um, and we were certainly dealing with the, you know, a, a perpetrator trying to create a plague. Uh, but, uh, the, you know, I've, I've drifted into the documentaries and found it to be so wonderful. And I, I am, um, I, I say often I'm kind of a literalist. I tend to want to understand just sort of in the most logical way how things work. But over the years, I've come to understand that then perception is something else. So there's the sense of how, what kind of the general consensus of how a thing works and what's known to be the truth or the facts. And then there's the individual experiencing it. And I've come to, I've come to understand that there's this uh, there's this kind of schism sometimes between the two. And often the characters who are un- under duress, being tested, being challenged, being worthy of, 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 of being central characters in a movie, are often at a place where they might not be seeing the world quite the way everyone else is. Uh, they might not be feeling it in a literal, as literal a way as, as, as most everyone else. God. And I think that, um, we can all relate to those moments. And, uh, and I think it, 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 it separates them, makes them compelling, stirs empathy for them, creates some fascination around them. And I think that's, uh, then if you can find ways of shooting, staging, editing, scoring to, to, to try to suggest that, um, that feel particular to that character, that can be, you know, that can make for, for, uh, Awful. For scenes that transport you, which yeah. is, I think is, you know, whether it's a documentary and it's 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 really all the facts or um, or it's absolute fiction or broad, zany, zany comedy, what you really want are moments that transport you and make you feel something about yep. that all at once. Well, and, let's put it uh, this
1: way. That's what I go for. You do it so well. You know, they say challenges are what like might make life interesting, but uh, overcoming them is what makes life meaningful you've done it so well for so many of us and thanks ron for sharing this time please stay safe and stay sane and uh, you. we all appreciate your taking this time to be with us man it was, it was a pleasure uh, thank, for thanks so much please
2: hang please. in everybody hang in it, we're uh we're you know I, i'm an optimist i hope you are too okay. take care thanks man bye
1: bye
0: that wraps up this exclusive discussion with ron howard if you'd like to hear more from the Craft of the Director series, check out episode 27, which features director David O. Russell discussing his filmography. Or visit our YouTube page to find discussions with Leslie Linka-Gladder and Guillermo del Toro. Also, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help follow Film Buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.